Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I am joined by my brother from another mother, Corey B. MTG. How you doing, brother? Bro, what is up? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm actually doing amazing. I'm not gonna lie. I've had a good start to the week. Yeah, I, I've actually had a good day. Yesterday was not. Um, but things are trending upward. Uh, we finally found out some medical news that is good. Well, not good, but at least we identified things. We're not going to get into that. We're going to talk about magic today. But the TLDR is the healthcare system sucks, but we do have light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm very fucking happy about that. Hell yeah. Well, mine was a lot lighter, I guess, as far as my cool things. I was going to say I played my first game of Commander. Reed Duke complimented me on my commentary, and I got to play Blue Black Fairies uh, from Standard in 2008 so far this week. Like, those are three very, very fun things. Living the fucking high life. All right, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, I am just, well, I do have something awesome to say, but before we get there, we have to announce our special guest. Then I'm going to bring up something that's really cool. Okay. Uh and, you know, since the Twitch leaked people's personal information this past week, mm. we wanted to bring in someone who was outed as the second fastest growing streamer in the month of November in 2020. And that is not other than BBD. Brian, could you give us some um, insight into what it's like to be outed without you wanting your information yeah. to be posted? How has your life changed? It's changed in many ways. Um, well, number one, I don't stream anymore. Have you seen me stream recently? Oh, are you saying that a lot of these these rich and famous streamers might stop streaming because of this now? I'm saying that one rich and famous streamer. <laughs> Did you stop? Second fastest growing stream in the month of November 2020 has stopped streaming completely. Did you stop Oof. streaming because people stopped giving you money because they learned that you use it for a roof and food? No, no. Oh, mm. no. Mm. I stopped streaming because I just didn't fucking want to anymore. Fair enough. That is, that, that is also a great reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, today, today we're going to be talking about magic, kind of the aftermath of worlds and leading into this weekend standard arena um, open. Hell one of those yeah. tournaments on arena where you can qualify on day one and then on day two, if you go, I think you have to go. 7-0, you get, uh, or 7-1, you can get $2,000, or maybe you have to go 7-0, I can't remember. No, you can lose. Um, you can definitely lose once, but that second loss eliminates you, and yeah, you can either win 2000 for seven wins, or you win 1000 for six wins, so six and two will grant you a nice grand. Grand in your yeah. hand. And I, I keep streaming them and keep uh, losing at five wins. You've never cashed? Uh, I cashed once. You cashed once, yeah. I'm at yeah. 2000, one, one, and then... But those were like my first three, and then I bricked like the last four so far. So I really want one where I can get some redemption. Yeah, I go five two a lot, but I keep playing Rakdos something... Pyromancer, Brad, and every time yeah, it's such I a bad idea. That. Yeah, I'm not doing I, that again. I, yeah, I will not do that. Uh, <laughs> and you shouldn't do that because this is standard. Hey, so I'm on stay my away way. from the Rakdos. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, before we get into the thing, I do have something to promote actually, and that is um, we at MTG Melee are starting Melee Premium. It's a it's a premium service, and I know everyone has a premium service, but ours has a few tools and an actual tool that costs us money, so the premium is, of course, justified. Um, but with MTG Premium, it's $4 a month, and uh, the features you get are pretty cool. Two new ones, uh, just completely new to the platform. It's advanced search for de deckless database, so you can like just type in cards now and, and dig up uh, all of our decks. The one that's particularly amazing that I've been working on all day before the podcast actually is a customizable archetype matrix. So if you follow like say MTG data, like you get to pretty much do that on the website. Now. Wait a minute, Brad, back up. Are you saying what? somebody that really loves, let's say hero precinct one, they type in that card and they're just going to see every deck that contains that card. <laughs> yes thank holy you holy shit brian that's for you buddy <laughs> <laughs> i why no. why would i want to see no decks i thought the point was to see decks oh, touché, touché. that that is true <laughs> but yeah no we haven't we have a customizable archetype matrix which means you can put in your own date range the amount of decks that you want showing on the matrix itself and you can eliminate tournaments from 
those days. So if you just pull up, you know, let's just say from the 8th to the 10th, but all you wanted were the SCG tournaments, uh, you can eliminate the other tournaments that happened over the weekend and just see all the SCGs. Um, and then it'll just, it'll just populate uh, a matrix of win percentages uh, for all the decks. Wow. Like per yeah. that category? Like if I well, wanted to see when I go to an SCG, mono green in the last two months has performed X, like it'll break down in those tournaments. Is that what you're saying? Or? Well, so no, you know, the matrix, like if you go to MTG data, you see the table. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, a matrix. It's my favorite. Oh, movie. oh, okay. Okay. And so you can pick the date range. You can pick which tournaments that you want it to calculate and you can pick how many decks you want the table to calculate on it. So if you want to see like what the top five most played decks do against each other, you can populate five, 10, 15 archetypes. You can populate a date range of two months, two days. Okay. So I'm getting it. So what you're telling me is the matrix is getting a resurgence, huh? Jesus. Getting reloaded. Um, oh, was that the movie title? Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, All right. And then last, oh. last, last oh. that I just want to bring up that's cool is text message pairings for US and now international. Like we've been doing the US for a while, but it's always been going to be a feature because it does cost us some money. Mm -hmm. um, it was always going to be a premium feature, but we wanted to test it and make sure it works. But now with an international cost way more, but now anyone in the world, if you have premium, you can set your phone up. So anytime you get a pairing on MTG Melee, it'll directly go to your phone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, uh, and, that's, and, that, and that's international now too, which it was not before. That was literally and still <laughs> is the single greatest feature for my personal life because like whenever I would stream the SCG event, I would just go downstairs in between rounds oh, to yeah. like unwind or whatever. And I used to have to just turn on my stream and just see if the round would pop up and it would be like delayed or whatever a couple minutes. So, but like for people that aren't streaming, you literally don't have to be next to your computer anymore. Like <laughs> or, that. or have discard open so, or have, have it on your phone. Yeah, no, that that's always been such a sick feature from that. So what I'm learning yeah. is that Corey unwinds by watching his own stream. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta make sure there's good stuff going on in there. <laughs> yeah, those 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 sound like uh pretty nice additions. Like the I mean the text pairings is, are awesome, but both the yeah. uh, Advanced search and the and the archetype matrix are pretty cool ways to get data or get the information that you're interested in. Like using data like that is is super valuable. And how much is premium? Four dollars a month. Not bad. Not bad. No. Okay. No. Cool. And and, and the, yeah. So uh, anyone that wants to take a look at that, that should be up by now. Yeah, for sure, it'll be up on the website. So uh, come support what we're doing on melee. And uh, and that's that's all I'll say about that. I'm not going to lie. I'm really devastated at myself for not getting that Matrix Reloaded joke because mm -hmm. that was just such a perfect setup. And like, I, I'm really down on myself about that. I'm not going to lie. I mean, yeah, there'll, there'll, also, be more, there'll be more revolutions for that kind of this. I'm of all, I, I, too, mm -hmm. am down on you making jokes during my my promotional pitches. <laughs> <laughs> because they were bad, right? Uh, no, no, just in general. Uh, I believe uh -oh. I was just saying in our previous <clears throat> podcast that I was about to talk about the fourth ad to the podcast and you completely interrupted me. So now we're even. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, I gave you time to say it, but <laughs> that is true for anyone listening to this. You can also um, check out the ass bros podcast. We recorded our first inaugural episode. Now don't, don't pay attention <laughs> to Brian when he introed it and said, welcome back to the ass bros podcast. Cause we never had one. Uh, this is so great because we've said that we've we've had our we've said on the Bash Bros podcast that we have our first edition of the Astros podcast like 15 mm -hmm. times by now and there's never been an episode and they keep getting cut and we honestly yeah. don't know for a fact that this one is still going in it as we well so we know. could be doing yeah. it again with this yeah we could just be repeating history once again just oh, look so for great. it though just look for <laughs> it it might be there we might you have can find it at Podbean iTunes Spotify or Stitcher or in your own imagination we don't know yeah. any of those five places yes. yeah yes we don't even know if this is real but <laughs> we do know that you have to takahashi won worlds yes so you are great transition brad i thought we were done with matrix jokes but sorry <laughs> so we don't even know if this is real but anyway yes oh, God, fair, fair. yeah that was that was really cool um 
It, yeah, I know. I cannot wait for the new Matrix movie. I agree. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> it looks Same. really cool. <laughs> no, honestly, on the magic note, though, that was one of the greatest tournaments, you know, just to watch, but uh, obviously an honor to be a part of as well. But man, could you ask for a better story of going 03 into 11 to take it down? Somebody who wanted it so badly, someone who actually loves magic that much. That you know it's like Yuta Takahashi and Manguchi. Like, when they're done with tournaments, they're probably cube draft. And they're probably, like, you know, playing Legacy or something. Like, they just love magic, you know? So, yeah, it just yeah. it just proves that you don't need to be good at limited, at limited to be great at magic. Oh, that's what I've been trying to prove my entire career, Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I guess I was the draft expert for that Pro Tour, so I guess I can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was oh, awesome. So- I loved it. It was a great weekend. Yeah, that was that was a really cool story. I mean, you Yuta's an awesome player and yeah, the his passion for the game is incredible. Um there's so yeah. many players, myself included, um, who've become jaded, cynical, whatever you want to say towards magic in the past couple of years. Um mm-hmm. that it, it's it's just really refreshing you know, Menguchi is, is also one of those players, but like, it's really refreshing to see somebody like Yuta who still loves the game that much. And, 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 and for the most part, avoided all that cynical jadedness that infected so many, so many other magic players. And, and like, that's the kind of person you want to win worlds. Granted. Yes. That top four was awesome. And I would have been happy with any of them winning. Uh, but it, it was a really cool story that he won. I, I completely agree. I, I always love that he'll just roll up into the US to mm-hmm. play some fucking modern tournament with his fairies deck and go like top 32, which yeah. is very impressive for playing a shitty fairies deck. So play funny a, that yeah. you funny that play you a say that CGP with, so, with some soul yeah. tie deck or whatever. It is so yeah, funny then, that you said then, that. Oh, uh, go ahead, bro. I was just gonna say and then but in between rounds, you know, and we're all just chilling or complaining or walk around doing something. He's just like locked in on some pro playing a game of magic. I don't know yeah. if you ever noticed it, but like yep. if there's a crowd of 30 people, he's watching. Yeah. And um, he's just he's been a student of the game. And I don't know. He's he's he is someone that you kind of aspire and you kind of wish like I wish I spent my 20s being more like him, mm-hmm. you know, with how much he's loved magic. And yeah, yeah. Just, you know, put in the work and it definitely shows with his play. Um, that's for sure. Because even in Versus today, we just did a Yuta Takahashi day where we just played historic decks of, of his time. 2008, he won a standard GP with fairies. So I got to play the deck that I played at my first Pro Tour in Hollywood, bro. I know you remember that. Nice, yeah. And that was a blast. And then, yeah, we played his deck where he topped 32 to Vegas Modern GP with Blue Black Fairies where, <laughs> let's get real, Bitter Blossom was not a good card in 2017 Modern, but he's still jamming it because he just loves the deck. Uh, and then we played, you know, his World Championship winning deck, but it was fun to to play those decks for, for the day. Yeah, I, I, I love the guy a lot, but yeah, let's actually talk about his deck because um, for everyone that's that's listening that, that wants a, a leg up for the Arena Open coming this weekend, we didn't we we didn't think it was going to do well, and I think the community just was like thinking that is it dragons was a very odd choice for this yep. weekend going into it. Um, it it got very overshadowed by the tech from the checks, which was their um unexpected windfall technology and is it epiphany, and then also the Grixis deck that we're all like, okay, this looks too good to fail, but guess what? It failed. It failed. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> and and in the end, he just went eleven and zero in matches with is it dragons and made it. And it's not like he was playing against bad players, and it's not like he was just getting incredibly lucky. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. he had some really fortunate turns, and he played well, but also against good players. Yeah, I when you start just 0-3, think it was a good deck choice. I agree. When you start 0-3 in most you know pro events, like you you go into a loser's bracket where maybe you're playing against bad players. Not at the World Championship. They're all still amazing. <laughs> um, That's not true. I think he played Paulo at 0-3. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. He wow. didn't. And I just. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was really crazy to me why this version of is it did so well. But I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, is it right away was the deck 
that was the most popular right away. Everyone's like, okay, all runes of pivoting, gold's found dragon, that's all standard's gonna be. And then Mono Green came along, slapped it up repeatedly, and they're like, oh, okay, maybe we gotta be doing something else. And then Is It Turns popped up, the Galvanic iteration, all runes epiphany deck, uh, that ended up kind of pushing out Renin 7, because that deck just comboed so well. And then with Renin 7 being out of the metagame, or at least pushed aside, Goldspan Dragon is good again. So it went a full circle to me, where, you know, Is It Dragons was that very first hype deck, and people got off of it, and it came back to be what it is now. So, I don't know. Do you think that's crazy, bro? But that's how I saw it. It's like uh, it's I, like Yuta submitted deck lists. Week one. Back. Yeah, it, you know, yeah. it's almost like he, uh, you know, he submitted deck lists when they usually demand that we submit deck lists seven weeks in advance of the actual <laughs> tournament. <laughs> yep, you are still dead on about that. That's for sure. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's like, you're 100% right. Like, he... He just submitted in like basically like an old deck, but you know it's still checked out. Like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think um to to expand on what you were saying, bro, because because you're 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 on the money. Mm -hmm. Um, when when is it dragons and mono green were like the first two decks in the format? Even standard um, twenty twenty is you know like that was yeah. what was all that was being played. But but right when standard actually rotated, and these were the two top decks, there they were exploitable by similar. Um, things like the blood and the snow decks could compete a little bit and so could these uh storm the festival strategies and a lot of these mid-range decks with a bunch of main deck removal because it could hit the dragons and it could hit the stuff and if you kill the dragon and you put a little pressure on the deck then um it's not that easy for it to win with the epiphanies yeah because you're not taking multiple turns right because the the combo version can say i can ignore a lot of what you're doing because i'll take two turns and in my extra turn I'll set up for another two turns or another way to kill you. Yep. Whereas is it dragons didn't have that. So it needed to lean on the dragons portion. And if you dealt with them, they might not have enough time. But once the epiphany deck came out, it pushed out the, that subset of the metagame, leaving only linear aggressive decks and other epiphany decks as like the top potential choices. Mm -hmm. uh, and which is a big hole for the combo deck because now the, the straight combo deck isn't even getting reaping the benefits of being a creature list deck because all the decks with main deck removal are just the mirrors. Yeah. Um, you're not, you're not facing like the mono white aggressive and the mono green. Sure. They have some removal, but it's not even like great interaction. Yeah. They had all the their sky anyway. and their brutal cathars basically in the sideboard in anticipation of that exact shift. Yeah. And yeah. so, and so because of this, um, the, the, the actual more robust strategy that has a, creature and removal plan was working in favor for is it dragons and i think that that's where we're actually moving to where it's like how do you react to that um well uh i guess if we're just getting into the like i, I you know i was gonna save this for a little bit later but um since we're here i'll say uh it, it is it is my understanding of the format that those decks that were good previously still can't really come back because of the actual epiphany strategies, like the decks we call epiphany strategies. Yeah. Um, and they'll still exploit them, but we still have this linear uh, metagame of these aggressive decks now probably playing a little bit more anti-dragon stuff, mm -hmm. as well as maybe some other strategies that we can talk about, which is like Demir Control. That was getting popularized, some Andrew Jessup build, uh, that maybe a control deck can fight this linear metagame which is just aggressive decks and epiphany decks but I don't know, I, i'm not I don't saying know that that's that, even true though right like i'm not saying that that's that that is good i'm saying that is a space that can still be sure, explored sure, for this sure. metagame do you think this is but, like our first rock paper scissors now that i mean i guess we we've, we've kind of had one but do you think it's just is it dragons is going to take advantage of is it epiphany but lose to Mono Green, and is it Epiphany? Is just going to beat Mono Green? Is that like our triangle that we're going to? No, for I mean, a while, I, I think I think Mono Green is still favored against Is it Epiphany and and Is it Dragons? Really? Yeah, I mean, if you look at any data point for the last like four months or, or two months at least, like that's kind of just been the the scenario. Except at Worlds, um, it got yeah, destroyed at Worlds. Yeah, maybe at the top skill levels. That's what but I'm talking. It, yeah, like if you if you play your if both players are equal skill level, 
what debt wins, you know? And I would think that's how here, we should let me, measure. Here, let me let me quick go use my tool that no one else has access to right now. Is it a customizable <laughs> archetype matrix? It is a customizable <laughs> archetype matrix. It is. And I'm going to eliminate these other tournaments on that day. Wait, so are you saying right. matrix is Reach finally out. reloaded? <laughs> it is. Um, that that yeah. joke was reloaded. Oh. So yeah, harsh. so so they didn't, they, they did a double elimination, so I only have the Swiss data. That is one thing. If the tournament is not com- fully completed on Melee, you don't get all the data, mm. right? Because they did not input a double elimination top four sure. yeah. uh, into it. But from what I have, um, the- Mono Green just lost everything but the Azurus Tempo deck. So, yeah. Uh, and, and, but I don't think that Mono Green um, is significantly favored in those matches because if you look at like the other data sets, from like the SCGs and stuff, Mono Green um, performed well but for the last few weeks. But think about this. I mean, the biggest thing for that is Worlds just came out and people are like, for this SCG, they're like, I'm going to play a Worlds deck. If somebody picks up a Mono Green deck and somebody picks up an Is It Epiphany deck and they're both first timers, who's going to do better? The easier linear aggressive deck for sure. You know, so that is a huge factor in this week's data for sure. I mean that that granted that 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 is very true and yeah. and and maybe at the highest skill is it there but even mm-hmm. as a even as someone that has played a lot with is it and wants to be an is it epiphany player mm-hmm. I'm still not beating fucking mono white I'm just not I can put some cards in for that matchup yeah see but I, I had cinderclasms and I was crushing I was playing like yeah but you yeah. were playing Grixis but though. Brad what happens at the, the highest skill levels in that matchup. At the highest skill. <laughs> oh, <laughs> bang bang, got him! I, I, I could I not resist that. that. Wow, that was good. <laughs> I, I accept that, but yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. I actually think Mono White, for example, is a deck that also did not do that well this weekend, but it is doing well everywhere else. Yeah, but one thing and, you said though, bro, that I want to go back to before we go past is you were saying I was playing Grixis. I I totally I totally was, but what I what I want to say <laughs> is. Lear is something I want to add into is it decks. I want to incorporate what was good from the Grixis deck. I don't want to play Grixis. I'm not going to play Grixis for the Invitational. I think it's not worth it uh, for the black mana for duresses and go blanks. But I want to play some kind of mesh together of is it dragons and is it and Grixis Epiphany where you have Lear to take over in these aggro matchups, maybe even in the sideboard. But that's where my headspace is going for the future instead of just saying, fuck it, I'm going to play mono green, you know? Yeah, I don't know how good that's going to end up, though, because, like, the thing about Lear is you kind of want your whole plan around it, unless you're going to play counters main, and then you have to take out all those counters to do a Lear plan. I don't know if you're going to find spaces, but one thing, you know, if it's in the sideboard, maybe there's a plan you can find, but Lear in game one, it was proven, but, I mean, I guess Grixis did pretty 50-50 against, um, against... Uh, the is it deck? It actually they didn't play a ton of times, like seven times. But I mean, the Grixis deck it, still did good. Two of the players made it to the essential top four. Ely lost out on Breakers, and Jan Merkel took third. You know, it still didn't do train wrecky, but it wasn't good. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying train wrecky. What I'm saying is that they thought they were behind in that matchup. The other team thought they were ahead in the is it yeah. or the Epiphany Mirror, True. and it makes sense. If you're the Leer deck, that means you don't want to play counter spells. It means you want to play sorcery sweet stuff and or just removal and you you you're going to get rocked by the combo deck that is playing um by the andre deck by the check by, deck. by windfalls yeah, yeah because they're going to say things aren't counterball and you're like great windfall into combo you yeah and i'll say that from first-hand experience i played the scg and i went x and two in the satellite and then x and two in the actual event three of my four losses were to just andre's deck and then one mono green got me, but I did, I, I did go four one against mono green, you know. But yeah, but yeah, it's a bad I matchup mean, for sure. Just, I could be wrong about this, but it it seems like the format is stretched too much for that Grixis deck to be truly good. Like th- that deck looks like the kind of deck that would be amazing if we're talking about a mid range and aggro format. Like yes. It, it it looks like kind of deck that would be good against other mid-range decks and definitely good against creature decks as you, or can be built to be great against creature decks. But if you're looking at a format where it's some over-the-top spell-only combo deck 
Um, and then also aggressive decks like the spellless aggressive white deck. Yeah. yeah, like I I don't want like mediocre mid range as the deck that I'm playing. Really, and really. honestly, I don't really want counter spells in my main deck. So what I envision this deck is having two Lear's main, no counter spells in the main, and then counter spells in the board. Also, some Cyclonic Summoners, so that when you play against the Is It deck, another Is It deck, you take out Leer, you bring in Counter Spells. If you play against Mono Green, you keep Leers in, you bring in Cyclone Summoners, and you just never have Leer and Counter Spells in your deck at the same time. Essentially, uh, that's, I mean, and, that's and how that, I want to try it, but I don't know. That, if that's good. There, that, yeah, and that's and there, there is the the defining thing for for now a month now. We've we've had access to these epiphany decks, and in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, this deck is eventually going to be the best thing. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that these stone epiphany strategies have not been the best thing. They 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 just haven't. Week after week, the data comes in and says the aggressive decks are 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 pummeling them. Yeah, and the and the and the epiphany decks are holding back the decks that could pummel the aggressive decks. Yeah, and that's the problem with the metagame is why you shouldn't pick a mid-range deck that has a 25% chance of beating the Epiphany deck and a 56% chance to beat the aggressive decks. Okay. And that's kind of the choice if you play those decks. If you want to play the sit on top of the, the aggressive decks, those are your options. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're not that that ridiculous of percentages, but they're close. And because it's just like you can't play a deck full of removal spells against a deck that just epif- take, takes a million turns on you. Yeah, Blood on the Snow uh, deck is like an interesting deck that's unplayable right now. Like, But I bet that deck destroys green or at least has a fun matchup it, against it. No, it, 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 it did. It, yeah. it, it was very good against it. And, they, and, and that's just the problem we're having in the format is these Epiphany decks push out a lot of the other strategies. Yeah. But aren't proven yet to beat both aggressive decks. They and just it have it has is not it, been. Isn't proven that yet. why isn't that why like the is a dragon deck is is good? Because yes. Epiphany is such an obscene card, and that deck is playing an Epiphany deck that's not so skewed to do one thing. Like it, yeah. it nope. is playing an Epiphany deck that's just a balanced deck that can attack, that can play a you know, it can play a variety of game plans, whereas the Grixis deck can only be mediocre mid-range or control however you want to look at it and the combo deck can only be a combo deck but this deck can play a variety of roles which normally that kind of hedging is really bad but when you have a card that's as disgusting as epiphany it's probably maybe just the way to go and And goldspan and goldspan 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 was just forgot about but now that yuta tagashi just won world championship renin seven was the card that was suppressing goldspan for a bit maybe that comes back in mono green and then that helps that match about who who knows but, um, well, I do know actually, um, <laughs> but, oh, it does. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah, one other thing is like the, is it dragon deck? One of the sickest sequences. And that's something that's really awkward with the, is it epiphany decks is you don't have the best turn to, if you're not interacting, you know, like if you just don't plan to want to kill something, you don't do that much, but the, is it dragons deck going smoldering egg into iteration on three play a land is just it feels so right it just naturally you know curves perfectly into an iteration on three where the other is a dex unless you interact don't it doesn't work that well into iteration or you can play smoldered egg into interaction into a uh epiphany two mana removal it, it, that sequence as well and then yeah. dragon into two another two mana removal yeah, that's yeah. Do, do, flip the dragon doing nothing on turn two and then doing nothing again on turn three does feel incredible i gotta say yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that 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 is the the main thing i think that that and and why we just missed it the the collective of us is that the dragon deck has a robust plan and utah with the cyborging kind of also opened the get door that i never thought about which is shitty i should have but i didn't play the deck that much is he was boarding epiphanies out a lot he was. He would be yeah. an epiphany deck game one, and then when things got tighter, he would take two out against the other epiphany decks, become more of a fish deck with four hermits. Mm-hmm. Uh, against the other aggressive decks, he'd bring in aggressive elements, take out some counter spells, take out epiphany, just become a dragon's deck, and oh, yeah. and just lean on the card advantage. And it makes sense because if you don't have to rely on the 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 time walks, then your choice against aggressive decks is: do you play the card advantage or do you play the time walks? Because you can't play both. Well, the card advantage drawing into removal is a whole lot better than drawing into a time walk, especially if you haven't had time to put a dragon into play. It's just 
it's like an interactive spell, right? You yeah. make two one ones to block and you draw a card. And when you don't play Galvanic Iteration, it makes sense that Allrun is just not good against aggressive decks at all. Like just taking one turn, having two blockers, you know, fine spell, but for seven mana, that's not great. But paired with Galvanic Iteration, that's where it gets obscene. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's a spell um, where you 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 want access to it in your deck, but you don't you don't want to draw four co- you don't have four copies to keep drawing. So yeah, totally agree. So Brad, where would uh where would your headspace be like if you submitted an arena open deck list right now after the podcast? What what would you play? Um. Well, I I, I really would want the knight to to explore a plan. No, you're day bound. You, it's not night. Well, but then if I don't, if you, if you, if you make me do this, then we don't get to tell our listeners something interesting. Okay. Cause then I'll just say, is it dragons? I'll just run Utah's list. Okay. Um, okay. Because I I've been playing it. I I haven't lost a match with it actually. I mean, I know it's just the latter, but like, I, I actually have not lost a match with it. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep winning every match. Same. So good. Same. I played some after the world championship, uh, yesterday and I played it on versus today. The deck just feels so broken. Um, I, but I actually, oh, yeah. go ahead, Brian. I was gonna say I've I've played some Grixis and I did lose one match, which sucked because I was I was like really close to bronze one and I just needed that <laughs> match. And Damn, this dude. is not a joke either. I did lose a match in bronze with Grixis. So. Just the fact that you played Magic. I mean, Grixis brought you back. Did you label it Grixanus? Of course I did. So of did course I. I did. That's actually, not even a question. BBD. I labeled mine Griximus Maximus. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that's Griximus beautiful Maximus yeah. yeah, it was an expressive iteration on my part, but, you know. Mm. All right, so uh, <laughs> Javier Dominguez, while I was helping Seth test Javier, was also, we were chatting one night, and I mean, this is, I, I'm giving him full credit for this, uh, and because it was his idea, but it makes so much sense. Now, this is for Mono Green. Um, he found probably the best way to sideboard when Dragons was around for the Mono Green Agro deck. Uh, which is after once, once the dust has settled and you've sideboarded where, wherever, regardless of the number of Vivians that are in your main deck, um, the configuration after sideboard has four, uh, or not Vivian, Ren and seven. It has four Ren and seven, four, uh, shoot. What's the car called? The new plummet. Hello. Yeah, I, it was tangle trap, tangle trap. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Four tangle trap and two. Storm the festival. So his sideboard has at minimum two storms, four tangle traps, and then whatever number of wrens that you need to fill out the four. Oh, that and makes sense because you take out all your blue counter spells, or at least I do against exactly, green. exactly, uh, and you take out some of the time walks and you just try to dragon them. And so, and and the the truth of the matter is, when you're the is a dragons player, you're leaning on your dragons living and doing something. And if they don't, sometimes you'll flood out against a deck like green because you've taken your counter spells out. So that strategy and 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 I just can't see it not working is very robust. And it's one of the things that a mono green deck, a monocolor deck in general, should be striving to find, which is the subtle transition of speed removal kind of game plan stuff. Because, I mean, the truth is a mono green cyborg sucks. Like your Frogamoths yeah. are cool, but they're still a five mana four four haste. They're a poor man's gold span dragon. I've against- never seen that card cast. <laughs> yeah but it's like it's a poor it is it's just a poor man's gold span dragon against is it iteration right that's what it's there for or it's a, a it's one a, mana one one death touch is a sideboard yeah. card like are you yeah. kidding me like yeah exactly like you and, and the and the the werewolf that just you know the solid yeah. primage werewolf also bad called. yeah yeah they're like and so if you have a transitional quote-unquote kind of transitional cyborg that lets you have a more robust strategy mm then then they're worth the slots even if you lose out on a few slots in other matchups that doesn't matter because like it's just a marginal upgrade anyway oh i like that yeah okay. and, and i was like i might have a new a front runner for for the arena open that seems smart because mono green already just has a pretty good matchup the deck's just good right so game one you feel pretty good and if you have a great plan against is it dragons which is going to be immensely popular this weekend that's a deck i could get on board with for for day two you know yeah you just kind of just want your mono green deck to be good against dragons and good against mono green and then lean and also tangle trap is also good against white uh if they play you know one of the biggest things that they're doing against green right now is just getting in the air 
And so Tangle Trapped is also a sideboard card for that matchup. You don't bring out four in, but it's still like somewhat decent at making sure that they just don't have a lifelinking flyer that's that's keeping you from winning. Isn't a bunch of Renin Sevens also good against Mono White? Like, I mean, I, they they have Brutal Cathar, which is, well, brutal, but it's still got to be it's good, tough. right? On, on, it's fine. On the draw, you can sometimes just get destroyed because you don't have one drops. Yeah. And... So you kind of just get out tempoed. Like they play a one, you don't play anything. They play a two, you play a two drop. They exile and attack you for like five. You're at thirteen. You play another thing, and then they exile your your three drop and attack you down to like five, and the game's mm-hmm. over. And that's that's why white actually has a good win percentage against green, is because when they're on the play, they get full reign because mono green is not a one drop deck, and that's not something you can really fix. You have to play the death. Well, touchers. you can fix it um, with more one drops like Lana or else. I mean, that's fixed. Yeah. <laughs> But that's why the Death Toucher's there. It's for green. Uh, green on the draw is very slow in the other aggressive matchups. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, makes sense. Yeah, that, that seems like a good plan for this week, but I also feel like that's a plan that could be exploited by is it players too who are aware of it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. But like it's, you could it's, exploit it with just card advantage, like uh, lots of card advantage and removal and not having to rely on dragons at all to win or something. But yeah. That, that is tough to to accomplish. Like when you're on the draw and they put a chariot into play and you don't have the answer for it, you, sometimes you just kind of have to just say, fuck it, here's a gold span. I just yeah. I just really want to, I just want to play a deck with three Galvanic Iteration, four gold span dragon, and four Allruns Epiphany. Like, I know that's pulling the deck in a lot of weird places, but like just having the best of both worlds might be the best kind of play as well, you know? Ah, too much of two good things is usually a bad thing when it comes to magic. Usually, if you're trying to pull your deck in two different directions, it's not good. But who knows? That could also be the final form we're all looking for with these is it decks. Corey, with with his epiphanies, like ideas, he just he sounds like a goddamn preacher to me. Like one of those like corrupt (laughs) ones that you you see on the TV at like three in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> he's this just, is he's the just savior a, he, for for a low price of forty nine ninety nine a month. You too can have three Galvanic iterations, four gold sweat dragons, and four all reds epiphanies. If you subscribe to the highest tier of the Bash Bros podcast, <laughs> yes, we promise that you too will go five and two and miss cashing in your next. Well, that's just tournament. true. Actually, that's just actually true. He sounds like oh, a mad absolutely. scientist. He sounds like he's constantly having a crazy epiphany that's like 25% indeed. Yeah. 25% it'll work out. 75% it'll explode in his fucking face. Yeah. Like, do you know what that's actually called, Brian? It's called ADHD. What do you want from me? I have a lot of ideas all at once, okay? <laughs> I don't want anything from you, Corey. Okay, good. Live you. your life how you're living it. Thank God. Thank God. I'm putting... I'm making an 80 card is it deck then. I'm going to fit it all in there. I'm not going to use Yorian. No, Yorian's out, but I'm still just going to go 80 cards, okay? It was the best deck in standard last time. They barely used Yorian. Maybe 80 cards is coming back. I mean, if you 7-0 with an 80 card deck, you will you will be the main character of Twitter on that day. And it'll <laughs> probably be good. Oh, I thought I don't want to ever be that. You never do. But you no. would be. But you would be. Ooh, okay. I better stick to 60 cards. Yeah, or 79. I want to play 64 yeah. cards mm-hmm. just just for the fuck of it. <laughs> Dude, that broke my brain when What's-His-Name did that. Yeah, Ben Rubin. Ben Rubin broke my fucking brain. <laughs> it Love still it. breaks my brain. <laughs> just yeah, even thinking and, about it. And it was just right. Uh. Was it? <laughs> I don't know if it was right. Well, it improved that's, that's the mana base. It's up for debate. It improved it de- the mana base for sure. <laughs> yeah, it definitely improved the mana base. Yeah, um, adding adding additional cards to a deck can can do that. It can make the mana better. But this was a fetch duel. That was this. This is the standard fetch duel format, uh, where you had the the lands that could only come into play if you controlled two basics. I think was that how they worked. Uh, yeah, that no. sounds right. I don't think I thought had... that's what they were. No, yes, that yes, right. that is what it yeah. is. That is what it was. Yes, yeah. if you control two basics, they came into play untapped. Yeah, and so it was the fetch dual format, and it was very complicated to build uh, three color decks, even or even four color decks, because having enough basics and fetches and dual lands to do everything that you wanted to do was kind of difficult. Yep. 
I don't remember all the complexities, but I remember that was a big part of it. Yeah, that sounds fair. Yeah, and and so he went sixty four obs on, but um, but yeah, getting back on topic, um, I I also think Mono White was a good choice this past weekend, but this will probably be the first bad cho- weekend choice for it because it it is it is one of the decks that suffers the most by is it dragons being popular again um yeah because it, it's good against i think that mono white is favored against mono green and the epiphany decks or at least can tango with them but it struggles with is it dragons yeah i just sounds think like i just think it's a bad deck to be honest i really do i think it, it I has think, its I golden it's... shining moments where like somebody will xo with it here but it's just underpowered if you look at it compared to what the other decks are doing it's not doing the same things and if and if the only reason mono white is doing any what reasonably good results right now is because every deck is not focused on it right now the world championship decks basically played cinderclasm there was some burn down the house which is you know good against them but not amazing like if people just put three sideboard cards again for this matchup any matchup any deck puts three sideboard cards for it. I think it'll be fine. I, I mean, I'm that's not a, a big that's a real. I mean, okay, but that's that's just a very aggressive take on the deck that did the best this weekend and last weekend, in in open play. And yeah. I mean, that's but, just I a, mean, you know, I, I gave a reason why it did good in because people weren't focusing on yeah, it. People, I mean, but people but aren't people. You, not that people weren't focusing on it. People were not paying attention to it at all, at all. Like now, I bet people will. And just every Izzet deck will go, be able to go up to three Cinderclasms. And I think that matchup sways pretty heavily on that aspect. I mean, that's quite possible, but still, yeah. you, how do you fix the mono green matchup? The white against green. They already green. have. Yeah, like most of the mono green decks now are playing the 1 1 Death Touch and the extra fight spells in the sideboard. You can't really do much more for the matchup. Yeah, I agree. You can't do too much more for the matchup, but out of the white against green versus white against is it epiphany green is the deck that needed the less help out of the, in those matchups. Like green is closer to mono white, closer to 50, 50. I think mono white, when you don't have Cinderclasm and stuff against, is it, 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 it's more in favor of white. Would yeah, you agree? I, I, yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> you think, it, you think, I think green, needs I think is it turns. I think it, yes. Okay. Yes, I, I have played from both sides and I feel absolutely helpless from the mono green side. Like if I, just, I if I if I win the die roll, I don't. But if but like sometimes I just if you lose the die roll, you, like you you just you just get swarmed by them. Like you yeah. they they like you're you're going tall and they're going wide and tall because a lot of the white cards are kind of fucked up. I just think like yeah. Chariot seems so hard to deal with and Blizzard well, Brawl yeah. is so efficient that though those eight cards make it closer to me, but I have not played the matchup a lot, so I can't say with all certainty. Um yeah, just I mean, from if you watching go, and stuff. If you go two drop Blizzard Brawl on the draw, yeah, but if you don't draw your Blizzard Brawl and and they deal with your accelerant, so then you just and they deal and then so you can't turn three chariot. Like turn three chariot on the play, of course it's good. What I the big, the biggest thing, the, the reason why I think it's a bad matchup is that you're closer to losing the game when you're on the draw with green than you are when you're on the draw. Uh, uh, sorry, you're closer to losing the game when you're on the play with green than you are when you're uh, on the play with white. White on the play match win percentage or game win percentage in this matchup, I think, is very good. Okay. And so, like, it's easier to not break serve like it's difficult for mono green to break serve in the matchup when they're on the draw okay i'll test it um, out yeah i you know you definitely could be right that's just how i felt about the matchup I, not i sure didn't want i don't want to like mono white like i'm not yeah. i i i started playing a little bit and i was like it's heinous i just hate it like if you you can have really bad draws if you don't draw your third land you have to keep two landers and if you don't draw a third it's bad yeah. and all of this stuff but like it, it doesn't gave seem me two like your play satellite uh, I mean, my play style is just I want to win all my matches. Yeah, that's fair. And and so and like it's just I, I I've been losing. That's the deck I lose to the most. Like it, especially because of play skill deltas. If I get to play a blue on blue mirror, I'm winning most of them against random players. Yeah. Uh, but with mono white, that's not true. But my opponents don't need a skill edge on me if I don't draw my cards that are actually interactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mono green, that's or sorry, that's why I think is it dragons, um, it's fine there and it's a good choice and it'll push mono white a little bit down because mono white's kind of been having a heyday, 
against mono green in his turns. That's the reason why it popped up in the metagame. Yeah. It it was it's shit against the rest of the field. Blood in the snow, other decks focus on it. But because is it turns and mono green were popular, it jumped into popularity because I, I do believe it has a positive matchup in both those matchups. Yeah, and I just picture it, smoldering egg against the mono white deck. It seems insane. Shutting down the oh, early yeah. aggression and then just destroying everything late game, killing brutal Cathar with a with a you know a memory deluge that seems disgusting. Sounds like is it Epiphany is bad against every deck, uh, it, it, except for except Grixis. Except for Grixis. Yeah. I mean, just mid range. So that's the thing is like I yes, I think I think these is it Epiphany just clone your Epiphany decks will probably fall out of favor here. And then maybe mid-range comes up and then just keep that in mind if for whatever reason mid-range starts to become popular, maybe your Bant Festival deck, bro, or other decks uh, like that, then this deck comes back in to get, get some easy wins. You know, it is just yeah, going to constantly rotate. Yes, that that is that is exactly what I believe is happening, is that mm-hmm. I, I believe that is a turn sucked all the air out of the room and all that was left is the hyper-aggressive linear strategies. Um, and it pushed all the other strategies out, so it left it with only its bad matchups or close matchups. Yep. And now we're starting to see the format open up a little bit with uh, decks like Demir Control and Is It Dragons coming back because they can tangle a little bit. And let's not let's not get to go too far. Like I I do think the Is It Dragons versus Is It Turns matchup is close, and at, and at the highly skilled, I believe Is It Turns is favored. Um. Just because having to get that dragon into play is not easy. Uh, yeah. But uh, at the end of the it day... It kind of is, though. Like, is it turns the way it's built right now doesn't do much to a... Like, you don't play Disdainful Stroke and stuff, like, and you can Dwari Disruption it, but, like, it is kind of just easy to cast Goldspan Dragon against as it turns. <laughs> you know? That is true because, well, that was when they were all playing Test of Talents. That has to go away. Yeah. You got to go back to Stroke. You can't play Test of Talents. Agreed. Or side coming. You have to be more generic, dissipate, something like that. But if you just, if you're playing Negates and Test of Talents and stuff like that, Goldspan is pretty easy to resolve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Test of Talents was hyper aggressive main uh, because everyone didn't expect Dragons back. But now that Dragons is back. You can't you can't afford these test of talents. They're kind of poo-poo. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like the yeah. Aethergust main in the Simic times before when another deck actually came out that well, never mind. There was no other decks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't really know. Uh besides that, like I'm I'm thinking that that's kind of where I think the format goes. And so like cu- coming back, I think that mono green with a plan for dragons is important. I think dragons yeah. will be fine this weekend. Um, and this will probably be the last weekend where dragons is best. And I think it'll start having worse weekends after that. More Ren and sevens kind of thing, or just, just, just more, just more attention of attack. Yeah. Just, just like I'm saying is some people. So some people that you play in the arena opens, what do you mean? Last week's people, <laughs> bad players. Okay. <laughs> will just take the world's decks and play them as is. Yeah, for so, sure. A lot of it. I'm probably going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And and then other players that are that are more savvy, they're going to make some of these changes. They're going to put more hate for the dragons decks. They're going to have disdainful stroke over test of talents or main deck. Demon is bolt, decks. man. Demon bolt, I think is is primed for a good weekend. Yeah, I mean, demon bolt was good in those decks. They're still there, but, but I'm, I'm saying the cards that are, there were one ups. You know, I, th- I, b- I believe the is a deck played two. I think it might have played two. Yeah, but maybe you play more yeah. of those now. You know, it's hard to play that card in multiples because it is very slow. It does work really well with Galvanic Iteration, though, against Aggro, though. On the, you know, if you can foretell that on two and turn three Iteration into Bolt against Mono Green or something, that's really mm-hmm. nice. Oh, it for sure is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's it's still a lot of up in the air, but um, I guess I guess if I had to say for everyone, I still think that Is It Dragons and Mono Green are probably your two best choices going into the weekend. Yeah. Um, and... After that, I just cannot suggest to play Grixis. Uh, and if you like Epiphany, just make sure you update it. Like Corey said, have have a little bit more against White. Change these te- main deck Tessa Talents to Disdainful Strokes again as, as a minimum because you mm-hmm. will lose to Goldspan Dragons hitting you if you just have a bunch of Tessa Talents. Yep. And, but, but keep the Windfalls because the Windfalls, I think, are just too good against the aggressive decks. Yeah. I was playing them before Worlds and I thought they were insane. I I, I mean... Seth, I even saw it like 
five days before Seth submitted Dex, like one of the first things I said to Seth is I think unexpected windfall might change is it epiphany decks mm-hmm. um and i don't know if he's thinking about playing it but it's something that should be explored no i think that's um, super well said bro that's exactly how i'm feeling about the format as well any change to best of one aka day one like do you still recommend that kind of stuff or do you think there's room to be more hyper focused on stuff when it's just best of one because that is the well, higher oh, upside oh mono, mono white not close you think just mono white for best of one seems it's, insane? Yes, it, it, it's got a delta of a win percentage on on untapped GG. Yeah, no cinderplasms. Yeah, that's smart. It's just, it's not close. It's it's like mono white is just statistically the best deck. Mono green's a little bit below under it, but it because mono white on the play with, like your, your build of mono white should also play for uh, Skyclave Apparations and for Brutal Cathars. Um, just like 12... 12 one drops uh wait all 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 eight ways oh fucking for mono yes because mono mono white and mono green are both like the best decks wow okay that makes and they're a not, lot of sense and they're not yeah and they're not it's not particularly close i think that day one those are just the two decks that are going to beat the crap out of everything else yeah i uh i like that it's like that or a hyper focused of if like hyper focused is it deck that just plays a lot of burn down the houses and cinderclasms, maybe something I mean, like then, that. But then that's if you're like pre-boarded, well, if you're, yeah, but if you're doing that, you're already like gonna lose to the blue decks that play anti-blue cards. So you might as well just play like a fucking leer deck, right? And just like ha- like that's just only removal spells. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they would be leer and cinderclasm burn down the house. Like, why not? You know, possibly. I mean, no, I, I don't lo- know if I'd want to play play leer and wraths. Yeah, probably like, in not that many burn down the houses, but burn down the house isn't bad because you can still just put the devils in and against either. Yeah, I mean white it's it's a lot green. better than Goldspan Dragon. Yeah, I agree against aggro, but yeah, I like what you're saying though. I'm gonna try mono white to start. It just seems great, especially with the hand smoother. Where it's like, oh, three lands, four creatures. I'm gonna win on the play. Yeah, you know? <laughs> if you play, be- yeah, if you play best one, I just I can't suggest mono white enough. Like it's just. Mono right. monocolor aggro in best of one. It's like two peas in a pod. Yeah, yeah we pretty fucking, much. We've we've been there, done that. And so, I mean, honestly, best of one is still what you should play for equity in these arena opens if you just want to qualify. You know. Yeah, I'll probably do that. I'm gonna do a best of three on stream first, just to because of I want the challenge. Yeah, I'm gonna. And do then both. if not, I'll probably switch to white. Because uh, anyone, anyone, what's the tech for best of two? <laughs> We gotta ask our Best. friend. We gotta ask our friend Eric Heimel for that one. Mm. Did you ever hear this story, why. Brad? Yeah, he. <laughs> it's classic. Our our buddy Eric was at a team SCG, and uh, he was. It was like their last round, and he played a super long game one that he won, and then played a game two where he lost. Thought it was the match, conceded, like shook oh, his yeah. hand out, and then just like walked up, and he's like. Wait, I think that was game two, but they had already left the building. Like we were on our way to dinner. And like, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the only best of two expert out there. That is absurd. But yeah, that, <laughs> I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Bash Bros Podcast. Everyone, thank you so much for listening, and I, I wish you the best of luck in the Arena Open this weekend. Unless you play me. Yeah, I, I mean they're going to the, lose to us. They can have the as much as two. they fucking want. They're going to lose to us. <laughs> you wish them the best of two, Brian. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that third game, we don't wish you any best of luck. Oh, absolutely. all bets are off at the third game. If there is one, it shouldn't be. You should only play two. But. Yes, of course. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode, everyone. Good luck this weekend. And before we go, we do need to thank our casting crew. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we uh, have wonderful supporters at patreon.com slash bachelor's podcast who have become part of our uh, family. Part of our family. Yeah. Family. Family. First up in our family is our, I don't know, our uncle, I guess it would be. That's <laughs> Tosilo, and that's middle management. Not quite, you know, the boss of the operation, but doesn't have to take any of the flack, um, you know, like big corporation CEOs would have to. Tosilo just still makes good money, though, in middle management. I read a full thread on Twitter yesterday about the importance and value of middle managers. And I got to say that I didn't agree with any of it. (laughs) That's all I got. It sounds similarly to the article I read earlier that was saying that renting is better than owning. Mm. 
and and there's yeah, probably yeah. things about it that would be better but this was literally targeting our generation to say hey it's okay if you just rent and give all your money to other people <laughs> owning a house is the single best thing that you can do for your future so i don't know if i agree with that uh, <laughs> yeah, it is, and it has been proven time and time again generationally it is the as... most uh effective way to measure to measure wealth that there is is <laughs> land ownership but yeah. of course renting does seem great yeah so. I, just, I might go just, rent just, now i might get out of my house and just, just do some yeah, renting just, just let all of these stockbrokers and you know Wall Street buy up all the houses. It's okay. Everything will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great to me. I'll rent yeah. one of those houses for a higher monthly rate than a mortgage would be. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Next up, we got Adam, who is BBD's personal hype man. I don't know about you, but every single time Brian rolls into a golden something, we got Adam in the background freaking out. Hell yeah, golden chicken. Wow. Golden chicken. All right, we got Brandon. That is our official BBP spokesperson slash scapegoat. Brandon is the one who will be the main character on Twitter for the day when uh, they decide that us talking about home ownership versus renting cross the oh, line. Sorry, sorry, uh, Brian. Um, uh, we actually uh, <laughs> we we traded Brandon to the. Uh, <laughs> To the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yes. Okay, that's a, yes. that is okay. That is uh, an Aspros joke, everyone. That yeah. doesn't get it. Uh, well, hey, that's how <laughs> you that? that's how you lure them in. That's a joke yeah. from the Aspros podcast episode that may or may not may be not, our first episode that we you may don't know. or may not get access to. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. Next up, we got Steve, <laughs> and Steve is the official Bash Bros podcast Task Rabbit. Uh, does a lot of jumping around. A lot of hopping, um, but well, while Steve does some hopping, he does a lot of tasks around the office. What, like what? It, just a lot of different tasks. A lot of, you know, um, hiding eggs, um, eating carrots. Um, <laughs> like a literal hoops, fucking rabbit. Hoops on the floor <laughs> every once in a Steve's while. Steve's just an actual rabbit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> DJ's up next, who is the BPP's official lobbyist. Um, now, we did not get confirmation from last week when DJ took this job if DJ was a good or bad lobbyist. So we kind of still have to guess, like, is DJ lobbying on our behalf for us to get value that is not earned but taken? Or is yeah. DJ lobbying for good things well, just, that uh, everyone in the country seems to be ignoring at this time. Just so y'all know, uh, I did. I, I was on the inside, um, you know, got some insider information from DJ's lobbying this week, and it was actually to get John Gruden to join the BBP family. So I don't know about their motives. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got DJ, who is BBP's official lobbyist. Now, I have not gotten to speak to DJ this past week to know if he's a bad lobbyist, like mm. someone that is, you know, lobbying on our behalf to get things that we don't deserve taken away from other people mm. or a good lobbyist, you know, maybe going out there fighting the good fight, trying to, uh, to, you know, make some good change in the world. DJ will probably have to message us and let us know which kind of lobbyists they want to be on our behalf. DJ just said they like lobbies, hotel lobbies. Um, you oh, know. this is, Oh, Oh, DJ just goes, checks out lobbies to see. That was my oh. understanding. He just loves oh. all lobbies. Like Hilton lobbies are his favorite. He That's, does it year yeah. round. He's he's a he's four seasons total lobbyist. What's yeah, the what's so. the what's my favorite hotel called again? The one with the the big rooms and the breakfast in the morning. Oh, Amsterdam so Hostels, right? No, no. Oh, okay. It's been, it's, it's it's been two so words. Long, I can't remember what's that. Yeah, it's it's two words. Marriott Courtyard Marriott. No, no, no. no I forgot. Ah, oh, whatever. No. That's two words. <laughs> Hilton. Hilton. <laughs> Come on, everyone knows that. All right, we got Embassy Suites. There you go. Those there are my go. favorite lobbies. Those are good. All right, we got Bino Gatista. So, of course, last week suffered media fallout from publicly bashing the Bash Bros podcast. His media fallout was actually overshadowed by other bigger recent media fallouts. Mm. So he's kind of in the clear right now, but still laying low. Um, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that brings want... up that brings up our next casting crew. S. Cerruti is actually doing a lot of analyzing to see if Bino's Gatista was like, you know, warranted for not being on the casting crew. 
S30 does a lot of business analyst, uh, analysting. Uh, never mind. I screwed. And up. seeing if we no, and seeing if and and running the numbers for us to see if we can even allow Bino back on the podcast or on the podcast, right? Exactly. Right. That's what I was going yes. for. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yes. All right, we got Wappa. That is the Lord of Puff Puffs. In other words, guaranteed sixth place. Huh. Guaranteed sixth place. Yeah, Wappa, Wappa, you can never be golden. You can never be golden if you're a Lord Mm. of the Puff Puffs. Oh, you can if you try hard enough. I have gotten them, and I hate when I get them. Same. Same. It's just, it's, it feels so dirty. It's like, ooh, give me a flipped green reaper or whatever it's called. I know. Every time I get them, I'm just like, puff, puff, pass. Ugh. Oh. You know? That is, yeah, that's same. actually how every single storybook raw player is. It's buff, buff, bass. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Adam, and that is our ghost writer. Anytime there's any paranormal activity, any spooky stuff, Adam's just there to capture all of it. You know, just, you know, really just capture any kind of ghosts like activity. Any any supernatural stuff, which uh, since Abra's been sick and not going to work and just hanging out at the house. And going mentally insane because she can't do anything. Of course, yes. uh, there's been a lot of shitty, scary movies on in the background. Mm. Nice, see, Tori, just so many of them. Tori's like ten seasons deep in ten seasons deep into Criminal Minds, and I'm losing my mind at every time I walk in a room. It's like, <laughs> oh, I wonder who did it. Yeah, it's the boyfriend every time. What do you want? Never, like, never. Jesus. Actually, I shouldn't say never. You should get her into my favorite murder podcast. I mean, I just want to get her into anything that isn't criminal mind. So, because I'm speaking of which, I read, I read a thread about true how those true crime true crime documentaries (laughs) crime are are uh, ruining our opinion of various things. But anyway, that's for another time. I read I read Twitter threads on literally everything you could imagine. They're they're ruining what? I, I I don't remember the exact context. They're of it, ruining BBD's life. That's what they're ruining. They're not ruining my <laughs> life, but they're ruining perceptions of of reality. Mm-hmm. Like they're, um... well, yeah. There's just horrible things that we just shouldn't see on a daily basis that we do. Yeah, and well, not... but it's it's like basically if it, it's making rare situations that don't occur very often seem like more commonplace than they actually are. Yeah, exactly. Like how good looking everybody is in the crime department all the time. Like get, get out of here. They're not always (laughs) all that hot. Okay. It's true. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, Brian. Um, it wasn't the true crime. It was before that it was the lifetime movie network. Cause my Mm -hmm. mom watched that shit all the fucking time. And she was like 50, 50. If I was going to grow up to be abused or get killed on the streets in one of my travels. 50-50. <laughs> yeah. It's nothing else. There was no other alternative. One of those things was going to happen. Mm. Um, anyway, that David Watt. Accurate. David Watt is the <laughs> special guest screener. Um, shit job this week, David. Yeah, not great. great. Not great. Great, great job. I mean, I mean we great wanted work. somebody that was climbing and rising up in Twitch, God. not the fallen and giving up. You know what we really need, y'all? We need we need some help on the management side of Aspro's podcast. Like it's a shit show over there. No, we need more wall staring photography. Oh, that's, that's Paul Kasarowski. Mm. That's his yes. job. Yeah, we do need yes. some of that. Oh, and next up, we got Phil, and Phil is just crushing it. You know what? Phil's been actually doing some work actually on the Aspro's podcast, I'm pretty sure. Even the Bash Bros podcast maybe and i might even do a little work on the pre-show right yeah great work by phil does it all or nothing at all we don't know still and speaking of does it all or nothing at all sultan abasi who is the designated mana dork and this week our mana dork is the one that does it all goldspan dragon oh Mm. fly baby fly Next up, we got Garamelde, and speaking of flying, we got merchandise that flies right back onto the shelf here at the Bash Bros Podcast, and Garamelde manages everything that goes on in there, which isn't much. It's not much. It's, <laughs> can 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 definitely handle other jobs while doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, but we have been we've been selling some we've been selling some sleeves. Hell yeah. We're finally a merch mm-hmm. store, y'all. Let's go. Yeah, we've been selling some sleeves. We got a lot more to sell. Uh, what we, what, we sold like Twitter. five or ten, maybe? Uh, yeah, I think about ten, ten packs or more. Yeah, that's more than any shirt ever. I think. I agree. That's <laughs> more than all shirts ever combined. What, what the hell yeah. are they doing with those sleeves? Are they making them into shirts or something? 
Side shirts no. and sleeves. Oh. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was good. And then next up, we've got Patrick, who is the Office of Party Coordinator. Uh, is 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 Patrick? Um, I'm going to throw a pre. Uh, invitational party here in start uh, in Roanoke. I didn't know where I was going with this. This is terrible. I don't, yeah, I, I was don't know. Say, but if he does, I know who. I know who's not invited. Ghostbusters. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I won't be there. No, Patrick. Uh, let us know if you're coming to the SCG Invitational, and we yeah. gotta actually, you know, set up an office party. No, and one thing I really want to do, y'all. I want to bring a Bash Bros podcast playmat, and everyone who is on the cast and crew going to the Invitational, come up and sign my playmat. How funny would that be to put like your job and stuff like that? I like they have yes. to come to you to do work for you. That sounds like a fucking bash, bro. Well, do you yeah, think I that know? Sounds okay. I don't even know who's Phil's last name. Do you think I know exactly what Phil looks like? Actually, I do. I I do know Phil, but okay, that was a bad <laughs> suggestion. But this is this is this is horrible. This oh, is God. awful. I don't know Bino <laughs> Batista. Bino has been dodging us constantly, so I don't know what Bino looks like. Sure, I mean, it's not even a real name, so... Yeah. yeah. Well, great, they gave me an alias. How am I going to find them then, Brad? <laughs> Check that out at their table number. Find Bino Batista. I'm Batista. just saying, I'm just saying the statement, come find me so you can sign my shit, is, is very on brand. Well, mm-hmm. it I is. mean, they see a picture of I'm not accusing of you of face. anything. I don't see any of the pictures of their face. I can't just Well, that's because you're not them. looking hard enough. That's true, but that might be stalking. Then we, you know... I'm just trying to solve problems here, not create problems, Bradley. I'm just trying to make a statement that I found very funny. <laughs> well, don't you dare laugh on the Bash Bros podcast, damn it. Corey, you're, you're being awfully defensive, you stalker. Yeah, you're being super defensive over just what the cast and crew actually is. A bunch of people paying us to do stuff Well, for you're us. right, Brian, but your furniture also looks great from the lawn. I wanted to tell you that last week, okay? Oh. <laughs> you, you leave that couch alone, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'll take another run at your couches. I'll do it. All right, well, that was a really weird end, but thanks for listening to the Bash Bros Podcast, everyone. We'll see you next week with some more tomfoolery. And that was us shooting the shit. Nope, that's the other podcast. Ah, shit.